the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. What's up, what's up? Jared here, giving another shout out to all you out there in the posse. Hope you're staying safe and doing well. I hope you're ready to learn something, do something, and be a part of something. Because here on this program, we are done with the status quo. Simply put, the game has changed. Hospitals and health systems are starting to reimagine their growth marketing strategies and are finally starting to make healthcare about consumers and innovation. We call it marketing forward. If you want to be a part of it, then this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in this new movement, and you are going to be one of the ones shifting the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. I can't wait for you to be part of the posse. Before I get too far, we have a brand new content network called Shift.Health. It's a podcast network and a network of video series. If you like the healthcare rap, then I think you'll really like the other series and shows we have there. So go check it out at Shift.Health. Go check out the other podcasts and video series. In fact, one of those video series is called Healthcare Digital Marketing Essentials, which is a series of monthly chats that gives you rare personal access to influential leaders in digital marketing and communications. All right, so here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week about how stories change, but strategy doesn't. Then we've got Dave Winicky in the house to share what he has observed about pivoting the digital user experience from leading hospital websites. You ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Stories change, but strategy doesn't. I spent a lot of time this week thinking about the power of content and storytelling in this new world, and I'm more convinced than ever that it will be the thing that changes hearts and minds, not new tools or shiny objects. Looking back, it's no wonder why, because May was one for the books, at least for me. In just one month, I recorded 34 podcast interviews. I also hosted or participated in three virtual conference sessions. I was a panelist on a webinar. I was a guest on another podcast, and I produced two video series. I think it's safe to say I heard more storytelling and produced more content than ever before in my life. Many of those pieces of content were with leaders of industries and pioneers in their fields. And two things stood out. First, everyone who has created meaningful change in this world came to a point where they realized they could not make everyone happy. And they were okay with that. They were comfortable taking that first step toward recovery or reinvention every single one of them. They came to a point where they knew they couldn't do everything. And in that moment, they freed themselves to do the one thing they were able to do. And they took that first step in a new direction, even when they didn't know where the last step would lead. Second, stories change, but strategy doesn't. 
While the pandemic has given us a new filter that we view the world through, it has not changed the way that we effectively tell stories and create game-changing content. We still follow the same cycle. Listen, watch, create, and engage. Listen to what people are really asking, not what you want them to ask. Watch for their moments of relevance. See how they interact. Read their comments. Create content that provides value with no immediate attempt to sell. Engage and make it all about them. That's the cycle. We're an industry in transition tasked with the looming responsibility to help consumers understand how to re-engage in a healthcare system they want no part of, and yet we all need in one way or another. Now more than ever, it's your challenge to use storytelling to keep consumers healthy and safe, to connect them with care, to connect them with answers, and show them some empathy. This is a new starting point. Let's make the most of it and help both the patient and the bottom line. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, listeners, all you out there in the posse, I've got a treat for you. I've got Dave Winicky here. Dave is just a, a longtime friend. He's the director of healthcare innovation for PK, and uh, besides that, quite the arbiter of the uh, of pretty much the scene of everything. It feels like in the Boston area, uh, sports, med tech, uh, you name it. You can speak to it. You can uh, give me some pointers. I have a feeling next time I'm in town, you could give me some. A good tour across town. Uh, I'm just excited to to have you on the program, Dave. How are you doing, Jared? Man, it's great to hear uh, you and to be in the house. And uh, thank you. I'd love to play Doctor Boston the next time you're in the city. And honestly, that's one of the things that I've missed uh, as we've all uh, found our work at home lives. Is uh, I don't get to walk across the city twice a day like I did during uh, working days. And uh, I'm missing my city a bit right now. I can see that, especially this time of year. I mean, this has got to be this is a good time, typically, to to be in Boston. This would be graduation time. The trees smell good, and the Red Sox are probably still winning. And none of that's going on, except for the trees that I you know don't see even anymore. So I'm hanging out here at home with the kids. It feels uh, a little bit like farm life. And uh, you know, two months into this the workday has really kind of taken a form of feeling pretty normal. This has been the weirdest year, I just got to say, <laughs> with, with all of this going on. And we thought that was the big news story. Or I did, you know, when that, when that no, came out. Sometimes it feels like we're having a zombie apocalypse, but there are no zombies. And that was pre-COVID-19, wasn't it? <laughs> True. There we go. I need a dime, I ain't faking a bump. You crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Altera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Altera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey, guys, this is Jared. Altera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now, you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. 
Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. So besides that, uh, just how are things these days? Uh, what types of things are you hearing from clients? Uh, tell us a little about you know some of the uh, some of the work you've been doing lately. What's the air out there? What are people talking about and thinking about? First, I kind of think this is the season where I hope that healthcare innovators are able to put their heads up and really talk about the amazing things that we've done as an industry over the last two months. We've worked with teams that have put up chatbots doing you know AI triage on COVID-19. And it's been like a week or two week runway from, hey, we need to do this to it's in market. And uh, the same thing uh, going on with voice interface. People are doing more and more with voice search. And uh, I'm really impressed with how fast the teams that we work with are making really fundamental changes. And when you compare this to other industries, say, higher education or even consumer services, the rate of change that we're seeing right now from our colleagues on marketing teams is really happening at a higher rate than, you know, I think any other industry and our heads should be held high. I'm glad you said that. I, I just feel like we, we need a little bit more of a reminder of that these days when we can really still draw that line. I think it's hard right now to cut through everything that's going on and still draw that line between what we're doing every day and the fact that it is changing life for people. It is making you know, people more... It's impacting wellness and the quality of life for people. It really is. And that's what makes this industry different than you know, delivering food or selling used books online. And uh, I think some of the dot-com smog fest is impressive as insurgent competitors in healthcare are. If you look at like uh, Haven Health just uh, recently... Their high-profile CEO, Atul Gawande, just left the organization. And if you look at how much progress they've made over the last year, the likes of Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan and Buffett at Berkshire and Bezos at Amazon, they got together to make a healthcare company. And a year later, nothing has come out of that and their leadership is drifting away. And I think that's a signal of just how hard this space is. And part of it is regulation, but part of it is this is a difficult business. And uh, the fact that you've got teams that are really dedicated and staying, staying in here in a time where uh, the business maybe doesn't feel like it makes as much sense during this crisis is really impressive. And uh, I hope that uh, industries outside of healthcare are able to look at the good work going on here and to use healthcare as an example for a, for a change. Yeah, I would like to think so too. I've seen examples of it. I hope it does continue. I hope the recognition where we, we see people thanking frontline workers, calling them heroes, that is, is so refreshing. It's so encouraging. It, it's heartwarming in a time where there's not a whole lot of heartwarming going on. So it's important. It's vital to see that and to hear that. And it, it's great. I hope it lasts. I, I think it will for a while, at least. Uh, at least that, you know, that sentiment of the recognition of the, the hard work that our healthcare professionals, especially our frontline workers do, uh, and everyone who supports them, first responders. My goodness, the list goes on and on and on. But it's, I guess that's a silver lining from everything that's come out of the, the situation this year or so. With that, one of the interesting things, Dave, is that you recently put together a video that highlights what you've been seeing with some of the research of top hospital websites and how they're, as the crisis phase 
fully started and then was in full bloom and is now starting to tail off or starting to become the, the crisis slash recovery phase. You spent a lot of time looking at top hospital websites and how they are conveying those messages. And so I want to talk about that video. I want to talk about some of the learnings you found from that. And that's going to be the topic of our rap battle. Rap battle. So rap battle is where we just really do battle against the status quo. We say, nope, things can't be the same way anymore. We have to change the way the healthcare is marketed and experienced. And with that said, Dave, let's dive into this. Tell us more about the video itself. You know, why you put it together, kind of what led you to even do that. And some of the things that were interesting that stood out to you. Sure. Well, for the last four years, as you uh, know, because you were part of rolling it out four years ago, my team at PK and I have been looking at the digital experiences across hospital systems, and we've been publishing out public uh, reviews of great work going on to highlight best practices and how the art that we're all working on really does progress from year to year. And uh, maybe a month ago, I took a look across the uh, top 20 websites, top uh, ranked hospitals, and wanted to see just on a brand basis how things have changed. And, you know, of course, if we think of uh, the conferences we go to or what we're reading in trade publications, everything is centered around COVID-19 as as well it should. And uh, I took a look across uh, these 20 websites, and besides seeing about 80% of them entirely focused on the response to COVID, I started to see signs of innovation, things that weren't there one year or two years ago, or places where things were being accelerated. So we've been watching a trend, and all of a sudden we could see this trend in a new way through the uh, COVID-19 changes that had happened. So I just wanted to capture this moment because I think we're going to look back on this both as a memory that we all have to explain, uh, but also as a time where we stopped doing some things that didn't make sense, and we started doing things differently in a way that made better sense. And that's maybe, you know, the silver lining to crisis is it really creates a burning moment where you have to abandon the status quo because it's on fire and not working, and you have to move to something that's more functional. So there were three kind of big themes and maybe some smaller ones that came out of uh, looking across the sites. And the three big ones, we're seeing uh, how primary virtual care is becoming as a site of care. It's no longer kind of a a hobby that uh, maybe could be uh, useful for someone, but uh, major systems that we work with are looking to move 80% of their interactions to virtual care. And we can talk about, you know, different people on those adoption ramps. We've seen AI chatbots across about 40% of these sites. And uh, while that feels like it might be a bright, shiny object, that kind of conversational interface really is uh, has the potential to take roots and, and be very meaningful in care. And uh, we've also seen a level of... Uh, the use of hub content more and more, as well as multilingual. So we could talk about those as well. Yeah, let's dive into that. Tell us about the multilingual content. For the last three or four years, uh, we've been impressed that there's less multilingual content on hospital web pages than a lot of the global or multinational companies we deal with. 
And we've seen growth, uh, particularly in large publishers, Mayo and Cleveland, uh, have staffed up to this and are beginning not just to do translation, which is now happening on about a quarter of sites like Google Translate or Microsoft Translate, but we're actually seeing a localization where images are localized to language or uh, where content is specially written to address audiences with that language. And it exists in maps of facilities and it exists in other ways. But I was really uh, struck uh, to look at New York Presbyterian and see uh, their COVID-19 coverage in two forms of Chinese as well as, uh, what was the, oh, Spanish. So four languages. And, uh, you know, that was uh, encouraging to see a system who wanted to get that message out because it really is life and death. And to have the capability to create that language and uh, to put it into channel. And uh, this is kind of a generational shift. No one's going to become multilingual overnight. And perhaps we're not going to ever be completely multilingual. But more and more, we're seeing these large enterprises not just do their marketing in different languages, but their discharge orders and pieces of the service experience that are happening digitally. So those of us who are digital strategists, part of the thing we need to think about as we make experiences is to what degree those experiences are going to be multilingual experiences based on the community we're serving. Yeah, for sure. I know when I was in the trenches working on a multilingual project in the past, there were so many questions in terms of upkeep, uh, maintenance, and that sometimes led to decisions of not having X parts of content in those different languages. So I know how much work that takes. And I like the evolution that you're just describing because it shows that there's recognition of the importance of certain parts of content. And like you said, it's not just the marketing content, it's other, I guess to me, it underscores one of the other core purposes of a website, of all digital communications. Yes, there's the marketing content, but there's also the informative, the communicative content that is part of a patient experience, potentially. And so having that front and center and having it have enough importance that it became multilingual content, I think that that shows an evolution. I don't know if, if you saw it the same way, but, but that's something I, I definitely noticed as you were uh, describing that part in particular. I think it fits into this larger idea of personalization and localization. And that is, if you're of a place, if your system perhaps is a multi-state system, but in one area there's a high degree of Spanish spoken, or UCSF actually has some content in Russian, which is kind of interesting. That's a level of showing that you're part of the community. And I think inside of hospital brands, there's a, a level of glossiness of U.S. News likes us, and here's a picture that's pleasing. But there's a real importance in grounding facilities in the communities that they serve and showing that we're all into this together, to use a very popular COVID phrase. So uh, language is part of this broader idea of really showing the way that the community is connected uh, to the care that they get and that they can see that in uh, the way the healthcare brand uh, speaks to them. For sure. I also want to mention this other article you recently wrote. It was a blog post on the, on the PK blog about how telemedicine will help healthcare 
heal after COVID-19's reckoning. And I don't think I'd really heard it described that way before from anyone. I think it's really interesting uh, because this was not a Pollyanna article. This was a this was a reality check. Uh, tell us what you were talking about in that post. Well, the post was the beginning of a series where a number of my colleagues were going to talk about the way uh, COVID is changing lots of industries. But it was appropriate that we started with healthcare because that's probably where the change, at least so far, is greatest. And I think that as we look across the economy right now, we can see that there is a demand drought everywhere but healthcare. And in healthcare, we have hyper demand. And there are challenges in the healthcare business model where hyper demand, rather than causing resources to flow into healthcare and wealth to flow into healthcare, we're going to have healthcare systems that are financially stressed. I think of uh, virtual care, and we'll talk about the way that's ramped up and how important it is. But virtual care really started as distance medicine in rural settings that were hard to serve. And if you think of how fragile rural health systems are right now, and what the impact of COVID has been across all systems. Uh, I was just reading in New York, the level of loss that the New York health systems are taking per month. Virtual care is going to be one of the ways that we have to come out of this. We've seen amazing uptake in telehealth, which is driven both by convenience, but also that patients don't want to be in our facilities right now. We were talking to one uh, client that uh, we do telehealth with, and they've gone from having 1,100 daily telehealth encounters to 14,000 daily telehealth encounters. And that all happened inside of 60 days. So there's been this uh, incredible ramp. And the good news is there are new tools that our innovative colleagues are bringing to the fore, like IA chat and like virtual care. But you just can't build a foundation in 60 days. We've had a lot of sprinting. And in order to you know, sustain that and to see further growth, which that particular client expects 80% of their interactions to happen in telehealth in the next year, they're going to have to be some fundamental changes. And when I'm, the kinds of changes I'm talking about are data interoperability and using APIs as a, a strategic asset that enable everyone who needs hospital data to build the data-driven experiences they need. And that's not something that happens as a 60-day sprint or a 10-day effort to get the chatbot running fast. As important as that stuff is, there are some things that you need to do to build the capacity to connect that stuff together. And as we start shifting to having both sprints and some of that capacity building, I really think that that data level and the journey thinking that a lot of systems were doing before this began is going to be kind of the counterbalance so that all of the urgency that we meet is also able to be stacked up into meaningful, useful experiences that our staff are able to support without being damaged or burnt out themselves. So if you had to pick one thing, what do you hope is the biggest change? Because you referenced a lot of change in both things, in the video, and like in the flyover video, and then in this blog post, if you had to pick one thing, what would be the biggest change you hope happens, say, over the next uh, 12 to 18 months? I think the change that a lot of people see is the expanded use of virtual care. And it's been incredible seeing uh, federal regulators and state regulators really take down walls 
to enable us not just to do video visits, but for providers to bill for uh, telephone calls or for e-visits by email or chat. And that's a really important uh, corner for us all to uh, turn together, which is recognizing that this is a new site of care. And it's not the site of care for every procedure and every patient need. But, you know, for instance, for old people who do not want to go into a hospital or doctor's office right now, this is a really vital resource. There's a chance to use this in creative, innovative ways in all of these encounters. So one is uh, certainly the video visit. I'd like to think that the other would be about taking care of the capacity of our people. And, uh, you know, when you think about uh, patient loyalty and what it takes to, uh, to keep people coming back across their care lifetimes, not having their doctor leave your practice would be a good first step. One of our clients recently told us that when they have a provider leave, that's a million dollars of revenue that they'll never see again. And then beyond that, there's a 50% reduction in effectiveness in bringing a new staff person on to take that person's place. So if we think about all the uh, sprints that both our marketing colleagues have made, but also the clinical teams, it really is important to take care of those people and to make their continued work in our healthcare system satisfying because they are the experience that the patients we want to reach uh, really are attached to, not necessarily the marketing or the brands that we build which represent them. It's fascinating. I, I just keep, uh, uh, I keep trying to put on, you know, I keep trying to look through that crystal ball and yeah, nothing, nothing's there. It's, it's just as cloudy as it ever was. And so to, to try to see that, I see very small indicators that we are trending that direction. And I hope they, I hope it comes to pass. I hope we really do get that way. You know, I'm one that I'm just going to hang my hat on, on hope rather than just thinking that everything is going to be paused permanently in the marketing and digital world. Needs haven't changed. Certain needs have just paused and others are going to come about through this. So I'm determined to keep an eye on things as they come about, like all the changes that are going to happen. I do see them ultimately benefiting us and helping shift the way the mark that healthcare is marketed and experienced. So it really can be about consumers and innovation. We've been talking about it for so long, for so many years just like we had been about telemedicine. I mean, and I think that's why telemedicine is the poster boy for this whole crisis, uh, for the whole pandemic, as far as right. digital health goes. It's the easiest thing to point to. And yet, how long has it been? It's been around for over a decade in some form or another. There are so many vendors offering it. There are so many different ways to do it. And yet, it just hadn't seen the adoption anything like what we expected this year. So who knows what the next thing is going to be like that. It's just, I, I think it's important to to keep an eye out and, and see what is starting to trend as these changes happen. That's the, uh, the opportunity in this uh, scale of crisis is the needs are so great that the rules that people couldn't imagine changing change you know, in a week's time. One of the new interactions that we're talking to some clients about is how we can make care more contactless. So ways that people, you know, can either get care remotely, but also so that they can have less physical contact and care encounters or do digital pay 
or get in and out of facilities without having to make contact in facilities. So, uh, you know, the idea that when you come to the doctor's office, that you don't need that ID card, that there are other ways that you can be recognized and other ways that you can pay really are areas of innovation that, you know, we might have thought were good ideas six months ago, but now it's really the kind of thing we want to do to make sure that our customers feel good uh, coming back into our care locations. Great, great insight. Just a great perspective on everything. Uh, Dave, anything else before we go as we wrap up here? Any other insights you'd want to share with, with our listeners before you go? Just this idea, I'll come back to it because I think it's so important for our work, is we should be proud of these sprints that we've created, but now we also need to build the capacity to connect them together and to run them in sustainable ways. So that means building our capacity to run a marathon because we don't know how long some of these systems may persist, even while we're still running sprints. And you know, sometimes it feels like we're building the race car while we're also driving the race car. And that's an important skill, but it really needs to be uh, equally balanced by building capacity that's going to help us scale so we can do what we need to do over time. So good. So much to think about, Dave. Uh, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time today. Uh, for those who want to hear more about, you know, if they want to check out the video itself we mentioned or just catch up with you and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm always findable on LinkedIn. There's only uh, one Dave Winicky. You can also find me on Twitter at Useful Arts or visit the PK Global blog where some of the things we've talked about are hanging out. Right on. Well, Dave, thanks for giving me a few minutes today. I'm wishing you the best. Stay well, stay safe, and I hope to hear from you again soon. Jared, man, great to be in the posse. Thank you. Hey there, listeners. If you're all about listening to your website visitors to learn more about how to improve your website experience, then G-Site is for you. G-Site is a suite of digital improvement tools that capture the voice of the digital customer. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, co-founder of G-Site and founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a market research and brand consulting firm dedicated to helping hospitals and health systems find their brand voice. I co-developed this service offering with the team at Greystone.net several years ago. G-Site helps you prioritize and focus your website improvement and enhancement efforts. It's a suite of solutions including a pop-up website experience survey tool, a user-friendly dashboard and reporting tool, a user behavior tracking tool, expert consulting services, and more. What if I told you that 8% of your visitors have a new negative opinion of your brand after visiting your website? Now multiply that number by the total number of annual visitors. Does that number scare you? If so, go to www.graystone.net forward slash G site to learn more about how we can help and sign up for an introductory overview. Hope to speak with you soon. All right, I want to thank Dave and I want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to join the posse. You do that by listening, subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the brand new Shift.Health podcast network. So go check it out at Shift.Health, podcasts and video series about changing the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. So on behalf of Dave, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thank you.